Welcome to a brand new episode of the Jam Pack Report today for September the 24th of 2019. Of course, my name is Samuel Adams and five days a week, Monday through Friday, I bring you the hottest gaming news that you need to know to keep you up to date and informed on everything happening in the gaming industry. The show can be found on youtube.com slash Samuel Adams Media as well as podcast services around the world Monday through Friday. So subscribe if you enjoy what I bring to the table if you aren't already subbed to the channel. But today we are talking about Borderlands 3 because the game had a very successful first week on store shelves, but now we have some figures to put just how big it is into perspective. Then Red Dead Redemption 2 PC ports are rumored yet again because of a brand new classification on the Australian boards. Then Fortnite is getting skill-based matchmaking and bots for those players that might not be good enough for the big time. Then devs raise alarm over their cut of Google Play Pass's subscription money. A very interesting story that we are going to do a deep dive on on today's show. And on top of that, of course, there's a big state of play happening later today, but it looks like you could be getting a medieval PS4 demo before the end of the show if a leak is to be believed. And that is the lineup for today's program. But without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into it, shall we? Borderlands 3 is dramatically outselling Borderlands 2 and is 2K's fastest selling game ever. Time for 2K to start bragging about the success of Borderlands 3 as it seems to have hit every goal they set for it. In a new report yesterday, 2K revealed Borderlands 3 has sold 5 million units in its first 5 days, making it the fastest selling game in its history. There are a lot of high water marks set by the game and 2K goes through a bunch of them in the report, and here are just a few. Borderlands is now the second franchise in 2K history to generate $1 billion in bookings. Borderlands 3 has sold 50 50% more copies than Borderlands 2 in the same 5-day launch window. Borderlands 3 sold 70% of its copies as digital, inching that metric ever higher for AAA games. Borderlands 3 was the most pre-ordered game in the short history of the Epic Games Store and is 2K's most pre-ordered game ever. Borderlands 3 was the highest-selling 2K title on PC in a five-day window despite all of the Epic Store internet drama that surrounded the release. 2K stated previously that they wanted Borderlands 3 to outsell Borderlands 2, which moved 22 million units over its lifetime. Now that goal seems a lot closer with these huge upfront numbers, though it will likely take several years and many special editions and bundles to hit that mark. I find it, the author says, mildly hilarious that for all of the blowback about Borderlands 3 being an Epic Games store exclusive, no one actually cared all that much in the end, and it managed to set all these PC records anyway. I know that a lot of creators were promoting the living hell out of the game on PC because the creator code revenue split was so high, but honestly, people just wanted to play it, and it didn't matter which storefront it was on. Brief pause. There is a vocal minority that really, really is very much so angry about the Epic Games Store. I think a large part of the gaming population simply doesn't care. Borderlands 3 reviewed decently well. They gave it a 9 over there at Forbes, and on top of that, it did very well on other sites around the internet. Uh, but on top of that, they go on to talk more about about the potential for competition as time goes on. Of course, Big Destiny 2 releases coming up, the Division content, you have stuff like Modern Warfare coming out. But overall, 
Borderlands 3 performing very well in its first week on store shelves. Uh, not shocking, honestly. Of course, as we inched closer and closer to the fall season and we began to kind of see what games were coming out, Borderlands 3 was one of the biggest games of the fall and continues to be one of the biggest games of the entire winter season, I would say. Uh, it's going to be a very big gift this holiday season for those that unwrap that one under the tree on Christmas morning or whenever you are exchanging gifts in your respective fashion. Uh, but overall, to see it outselling Borderlands 2 isn't that shocking, and I've been seeing reports about this, and everybody is always blown away. It's not that big of a deal because over the time since Borderlands 2 was released, the name has gained so much value. I mean, Borderlands is almost a household name uh, when it comes to the day-to-day -day gaming life of somebody in 2019 because of how many speedruns have been done of Borderlands 2, because of how many sales have gone on because of Borderlands 2, uh, because of all the collections that have repackaged previous Borderlands games and put them back out on modern-day consoles. It's kind of become a legendary franchise in and of itself. And so, of course, the new one is going to sell well, uh, number one, because of marketing in 2019 through streamers, YouTubers, and the like. Uh, but on top of that, people love Borderlands. Uh, so to see it being 2K's fastest selling game ever is not necessarily shocking, but man, still some pretty big figures said within the, just the first couple of days of Borderlands 3 being out on store shelves. Man, $1 billion, by the way, Borderlands has made in 2K history. It's a lot of dough on the table. <clears throat> but you know what? Red Dead Redemption 2 also made a lot of money, and it could be making more money in the next couple of months because of a PC potential release for the big Red Dead Western Adventure. It looks like Rockstar may be gearing up for a Red Dead Redemption 2 PC announcement. The Australian Classification Board's website was recently updated with a new Red Dead Redemption 2 listing. The listing, spotted by Reset Era, was made on August 20th, which is when the game was classified. Like the original release, this new version was also awarded an MA15 Plus rating by the board for the same set of reasons, strong violence, strong themes, and online interactivity. The new listing doesn't explicitly mention PC as the platform, much in the same way the original rating doesn't mention PS4 or Xbox One. The original classification was awarded in September of last year, a couple of months before the game's release in October. This same setup of a multi-platform listing and a separate PC listing is common with Rockstar Games. GTA 5, which came to PC and current-gen consoles months after its original release, has three separate listings, one for each time it was classified. The only strange quirk in the listing uncovered this week is that it uses Arabic rather than the official Roman numeral in the game title. This may be an error, but it's certainly worth highlighting. It's it's also a bit strange that it wasn't Rockstar who applied for the classification rather than the IARC, the International Age Rating Coalition. This discovery, coupled with Rockstar's recent release of its own PC launcher, has fans thinking Red Dead Redemption 2 PC news is on the horizon, and Rockstar likes to have long periods between announcements and release, so it's unlikely the game is coming to PC soon. Although a PC version of Red Dead Redemption 2 was never officially confirmed, various leaks, including those from the company's own websites, referenced PC on many occasions. And of course, we have been discussing this pretty much since the release of Red Dead Redemption 2 on consoles last year. 
It needs to happen because the game would just fit so well on PC, and especially with the launch of the Rockstar Launcher last week, there really is no questioning whether or not this game is coming at this point, and now we have all but confirmation, that was a strange way to pronounce that word, uh, because of the Australian classification board rating of Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, now, I have seen some other people saying this might not necessarily be a PC game, because again, there was never any mention of a PC version or anything along those lines. Uh, no consoles, no platforms whatsoever, so it could be some kind of Game of the Year edition where it does bundle in some kind of additional content that could be coming. Uh, it could be a spinoff game like Undead Nightmare, but considering the naming of the actual post is Red Dead Redemption 2 you're probably going to be getting some kind of re-release, likely on PC. Uh, and if I had to guesstimate a time frame you could be seeing this, maybe summer of 2020, maybe fall of 2020, something along those lines, I couldn't imagine it being an immediate release. But again, you never do know. But Rockstar, not traditionally one for the immediate release, uh, the launch on the same day of the announcement kind of company. Not really their style. But if you did want Red Dead Redemption 2 on PC, it could be coming very soon. And of course, if you do play it on PS4 and Xbox One, still a phenomenal experience. I played it on PS4, fell in love with the game. Just so much to do uh, if you do want to. Got it's a whole new world, man. It's a whole new world. But speaking of whole new worlds, Fortnite is getting skill-based matchmaking and bots. This could change the game. Fortnite changes a lot from week to week and sometimes day to day, but one thing about it that has remained fairly constant is its matchmaking. But soon that will no longer be the case. Epic announced today that the 10.4 update will bring changes to the game's core mode that Epic said will create fair games for everyone by matching up players of similar skill levels. Details on exactly how the new system will work have not been revealed, but you will be more likely to match with players of similar skill, and as you get better, so should your opponents, Epic said. We will slowly roll this out to all regions across BR core modes as we test and monitor how it performs. A rollout schedule hasn't been revealed either, but Epic said it will issue an update once the system is fully live across all regions. A more visible change will arrive next season in the form of bots. They will behave similarly to normal players and will help provide a better path for players to grow in skill, Epic said. Bots will work in conjunction with the new matchmaking system, and as your skill improves, you will face fewer bots. Bots will not be present in competitive playlists. Some Fortnite fans don't seem entirely happy about the coming edition of bots. The responses on Twitter have been mixed, but there are some positive comments about the plan in the Fortnite competitive subreddit. I think this change will be more healthy for the game's longevity. Bots slash noobs being content in bot lobbies equals less caring for noobs, low-quality JPEG wrote on Reddit. Both casual players above average and comp players benefit from this. Another, jcal 77 said they are hyped because the change completely eliminates the previous competitive philosophy where balance changes are catered towards lower-skilled players. Instead, they are being put into lobbies where they can improve against people of a similar skill level. Epic said it will, quote, continue to update and iterate bots and the new matchmaking system after they go live. And of course, Fortnite Season 11 does not have an official start date, but we expect it to kick off sometime in the first half of October. This is a really, really good move, uh, and that's coming from somebody who doesn't play Fortnite on the regular anymore. I keep up with this uh, because of the fact that it is such a large cultural phenomenon, even in late 2019. Uh, but to get skill-based matchmaking, it's always going to be fantastic for anything that has a competitive side to it. And of course, we all know the competitive scene of Fortnite BR is blowing up like crazy. Uh, and so to be able to get paired with people that are on your same skill level, and for those that might not necessarily be a 
high skill level uh, to be able to practice and get good uh, with bots and with the automation. That is something that really does bring a lot more value for those that are under leveled and on top of that those that are really hardcore into the game. Now I will say uh, the bots themselves that is something that might be a little bit iffy depending on how it is effectively implemented in the game. Uh, if it is continuing to bring bots if bots are brought into the mid-tier kind of matches where you do have uh, this elevation where you aren't completely and totally a noob, but you aren't quite on that pro-competitive level, if bots are brought in there, that could make a bit of a mess. Uh, but I digress. It's not going to be nearly as bad as the zombies that we've seen in seasons past in various iterations of Fortnite because those are essentially just AI enemies uh, that have no purpose in the world and pretty much act as a nuisance when you're actually trying to, you know, do something within the game itself. Uh, but Fortnite Fortnite's still going strong in 2019, tons of updates coming out, and of course right now matchmaking and bots being added to the game over the coming weeks. Pretty good moves all around. Of course, let me know what you think in the comments section down below. But again, the big new changes are going to be starting with the 10.4 update and finish with the launch of Season 11, again coming sometime in the first half of October. Now let's do a deep dive, shall we? Developers raise alarm over their cut of Google Play Pass's subscription money. Google announced the Google Play Pass today, a new subscription service for Android users. But an FAQ explainer on how royalties for developers work has some industry professionals worried about a game's sales moving towards a Spotify model, a model that has been heavily criticized in the past. Google Play Pass is a subscription service where for $4.99 per month, similar to Apple Arcade if you haven't caught on, Subscribers can have access to a library of games and apps without ads and in-app purchases. This subscription service is similar to ones offered by Apple and Xbox. However, there is language in the Google Play Pass developer FAQ that caused some alarm in the game dev community. According to Google, quote, developers earn a royalty that incorporates time subscribers spend in their app and captures how users value all types of content, from weather apps to epic endless runners. Google says that this royalty model isn't set in stone and that it is continuously refining the model to make sure it fairly rewards titles that bring the highest user value. But game devs say this resembles the way streaming services like Spotify pay artists. Musicians and industry members have criticized Spotify's royalty plan in the past for paying artists based on aggregate song plays. The Ringer explained how this revenue model incentivizes musicians on a Spotify platform to create more streamable experiences. In the paper stream model, artists are motivated to accrue spins rather than devoted fans by any means necessary. A catchy three-minute earworm that begs to be played ad nauseum generates more revenue than a longer, less repeatable track, even if the same number of people listen to each song every month. The main criticism with this royalty model is that it seemingly rewards artists and devs for creating games that can hold on to a person's interest longer than its competitors. This gives games with an emphasis on replayability an advantage over shorter game experience. Google Play Pass's model also differs from video game subscription services like Xbox Game Pass, which, according to Nico Partners, senior analyst Daniel Ahmad, pays developers upfront for their games plus royalties. Quote, think about it like this. If it took you three hours to beat the Untitled Goose game, that probably would have translated into a payment of a few nickels rather than the $20 or so you paid for it, indie dev Will O'Neill says in a tweet. Indie game developers are not indie musicians. We don't tour, we can't flip out singles quickly to take a blind shot at some godlike curator at a streaming service. Nobody likes photos of us. This is not a future that finds a new equilibrium. 
I mean, this is honestly a terrifying continuation of the model that has shaped the games into most roguelikes and multiplayer games, Vlambeer co-founder Rami Ismail said to IGN over on Twitter. If engagement becomes money, then grinding addictive loops and infinite gameplay become the best way to earn money. Ismail says that this kind of model can set a bad precedent for game development. If devs get paid for engagement, the only model that makes sense is to maximize the time people spend in the game or the number of times people have to check the game, artificially if necessary, says Ismail. It is upsetting. No More Robots publisher Mike Rose shared similar concerns with IGM. I knew this was going to happen because even back then I'd already been approached by multiple platforms all saying they would pay for how many hours your game was played versus every other game on their platform, says Rose. Give it another couple of years and we are going to be drowning in these services and it's going to force developers to build games with, quote, how do I make money in mind? Sure, narratives will be forced out. We'll be drowning in a sea of Fortnites and pachinko machines, says Rose. I know I must bore a whole lot of people with this stuff, but God, we are so on the cusp of a crash, and I feel like barely anyone realizes it. Other devs have expressed similar concerns on Twitter, and of course you can find many of these in the IGN article, which I have linked down below. With so many different services from companies like Google, Twitch, and Apple offering full libraries for a monthly fee, it will be important to see how compensation across different platforms works. It should be noted that it's currently unclear how Apple Arcade compensates developers who sign on to be featured in Apple Arcade either. IGN has reached out to Google to ask for comment regarding developer concerns, but have not heard back during the time of publication. So, that's pretty much the situation as it stands with Google's Play Pass, and it's one of those things that we often take for granted. These subscription services are often taken for granted because we don't have to think about how they work on the consumer end. We just have to reap the benefits of being able to pay $5, $10, $15 a month, and you get access to this giant library of games. And it definitely takes a specific uh, motivation. You have to actively think in the mind of a developer, how is this going to affect my bottom line as the developer? And it truly is something that should be considered because whenever you think about how much money you are spending on a subscription service, if they are paid up front for the game to be included in the subscription service, that is a different situation entirely. If royalties are earned based on how much time I spend in the game, that's very, very unfair. I mean, hypothetically, let's say that's how Xbox Game Pass works. Uh, which it does not, but let's just say, for the sake of my example, that's how it worked. Gears 5 would be making much more money because I'm spending much more huge amounts of time in Gears 5 as compared to something like Ritual of the Night or The Outer Wilds. Uh, for instance, today I played about an hour of The Outer Wilds. I probably got 20, 25 hours in Gears 5, maybe even more than that. And so just based on that alone, it's very unfair and the disparity between the two is incredibly, uh, I suppose, demotivating for the smaller indie developer. Now, the big question here is, will Google continue uh, to have this kind of model for their Play Pass? And on top of that, will people actually adopt uh, this new subscription? And even more so, if you want to go a step further, what's the situation with Apple Arcade? How are devs getting paid on that platform? I've heard fantastic reviews, fantastic impressions of Apple Arcade and the games that are included on it. But at the end of the day, uh, I think that you do really have the beginning of the end. It is going to be a big bubble that could pop uh, if we can continue down this road where so many games are coming out and so much crunch is happening and so many new projects are coming down the pipe, yet how are they going to actually pay developers? How are all these games uh, going to be accounted for and played? Uh, the 
expansion of the gaming industry is very alarming because it is growing at such a rate that is fantastic and is healthy, but it could be a bit much and it could push us over the edge. Not to be too much of a downer, uh, but I could see it happening at some point very, very soon. However, hopefully that won't happen. And again, you do have to consider exactly how many subscription services are available right now uh, because you are definitely getting uh, to a point of total saturation. I mean, you have the Uplay Plus, uh, you have Origin Access, uh, which is also EA Access, something along those lines, Origin Premiere and EA Access, I think they're called. Uh, then you have Apple Arcade, then you have Google's Play Pass, then you have Game Pass, then you have so many other options just so many out there right now. Too many, in my opinion. But none of them, at least at this point, are going to be including the medieval PS4 re-release, the remake, the remaster, if you will. But a demo briefly popped up on the Japanese PlayStation Store, hinting at what could be coming in today's state of play. Today's state of play is now just hours away, and we are starting to see some teases and leaks trickling through. The latest one concerns the medieval PS4 remake, which is due for a release in about a month's time. A demo of the game was recent, recently released excuse me, on the Japanese PlayStation Store. That's according to some eagle-eyed users on Reddit and Reset Era. Unfortunately, following the link to a product page now draws a blank. It seems the demo has been pulled from the store. Perhaps it was just launched a little early. Still, that didn't stop a few people from downloading and playing it, and those who did are saying it consists of Sir Dan's Crypt and the graveyard level that follows, which sounds like the playable demo present at Tokyo Game Show. This all leads us to believe that a demo for Medieval will be announced and then made available during tonight's State of Play presentation. Obviously, this has not been confirmed, but the timing fits too perfectly. What do you think, says the article? Says I, you're going to be getting a demo later on in the day, uh, which I think is a pretty good idea, considering how on the fence I am about the game, and I would say a lot of people are about the game. Uh, now, we did see the first true new gameplay of the Medieval Remake a couple of weeks back during TGS, and I will say, it looks way better than it did a couple of years back, so thank God it's not the same game we saw at a PlayStation Experience, I think 2017? Uh, something along those lines. It looks pretty dang good. Now, I will say, I was never one to actually sit down and play the original, so I'm not really sold on this one, so a demo could push me over the edge, and again, it could be coming out as soon as today. Of course, State of Play coming up very shortly. I believe it's something like 3 p.m. Pacific time, or it's later on this afternoon. Uh, we are going to be doing the full breakdown, recap, review of it tomorrow on the episode of the Jam Pack Report for Tuesday. Uh... Wednesday, September 25th. What day is it? Uh, yeah, it's Wednesday, September 25th. Uh, so we will be doing that on tomorrow's show. Uh, but as for today, it looks like a demo could be coming for the Medieval Remake. And if you do want to get in on that, I would stay tuned for the State of Play again happening later on this afternoon. But that rounds out today's episode of the Jam Pack Report. Again, if you happen to be brand new to the show, I do appreciate you taking the time to check it out. And if you did enjoy it, hit that subscribe button and stay up to date and informed five days a week, Monday through Friday. And you can always follow me on Twitter at PrettyChillGuy if you did want to stay up to date with not only the gaming news, but also my thoughts on stuff I'm watching on Netflix and HBO. The Righteous Gemstones is fantastic. Uh, but I will see you tomorrow on the Wednesday episode of the Jam Pack Report. Until then, have a fantastic one, and peace.